Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're your Hey everybody, I'm Wa, and Chris is not here, but welcome to Docu Sweeties. And we're two longtime friends who discuss the riveting and sometimes trashy world of reality TV and docu series. And as you guys know, at least those of you on Patreon who have the visuals, um, you would know that this is not Chris next to me. This is this is Michelle from Blighty Day Fiance. Um, she's stepping in for Chris this week because Chris went on a little vacation snowy trip. Um, and so we wanted to get this episode out to you. So we asked Michelle last minute, I mean, to come in and support us. She's across the pond. She's she's with our Brits. She, she actually, um, I did a collab with her for 90 Day Fiance um, UK, which was spectacular. Okay, Michelle, go on ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. First of all, thank you Wa, so much. I'm so honored to be here. These are these are big shoes to fill. Not that Chris has big feet or anything, but I mean, this is like, you know, standing on the shoulders uh, of giants <laughs> kind of stuff. Um, yes, I have a podcast that I do with my husband, Robin, Blighty Day Fiance. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Blighty Day. Uh, we've been on hiatus for the past month, but we are um, slowly coming back. Uh, so yeah, check us out if you want to hear the um, English, British, European perspective on on these shows. And if you want to hear um, a couple of white people arguing. <laughs> <laughs> what a great way to describe it. Uh <laughs> Um, but they're super, super fun. And it's really, it's really, it was really fun to get their perspective of 90 Day Fiance UK, which I hope is coming back for another season, even though it was fraught and rife with drama on the back end and the front end. It, I hope it comes back because it is solid. So there might be a little bit of delay again, because Michelle is in the UK. Um, and so I'll try to tighten it up. But for Patreon, you saw that I changed everything over to just call me wall, but it's only because I need these amazing pictures. So <clears throat> Michelle is ready. She's been watched all the show. Um, and we're going to start <laughs> with Chris and Jamie. Okay, Michelle, I want wow. you to tell me hot take just, just about them in general. This is a, this is a difficult couple, um, for lots of reasons. Uh, I think some of my pre-existing, you know, um, judgments might have come into it and kind of oops, kind of clouded how I view these two. Um, at first I thought Jamie was really sketchy and I thought this is, this feels kind of weird. Like the fact that she had, um, a week long or a two week long affair with another woman that she was talking to in Texas. And then there was kind of a, a, a swap back, um, that worried me a little bit. And, Chris, I think is, is just sort of a, she's a bundle of trauma 
isn't she? I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there. And I don't mean the 70-odd <laughs> knives <laughs> that she wasn't allowed to bring to Columbia. So I think this episode was was a real... <laughs> was kind of the the first hard um you know cold sober light of day look at each other where i think jamie realized for the first time i don't know this woman jamie and chris the only thing that i really remember from this episode is that they went to the knife shop because they needed to procure some protection it's so interesting to me how sometimes folk think that having a having some kind of weapon on them when they're not like fully trained in a like combats combat situation in order to wield such thing like in my mind she hears an intruder, she pops up out of bed, she does a flip, she tumbles and she grabs the knife and she ends up like this, you know what I mean? Like in in what world is, is this tiny woman, unless the knife is concealed on her person and the burglar doesn't know she has it. And so she has a way of whipping it out at the last minute, maybe like cutting the ropes surreptitiously. And then like, again, jumping out of the ropes, doing a flip and coming up like this to like stab the person. It just seems so like crazy to me that you think that this knife will protect you and it will if you like are a, a an expert knives woman you know and i don't know that she is and so they go to this weapon shop and again like you said jamie was just shocked that this is now what this person wants this narcoleptic <laughs> person who has night terrors wants a knife yeah i mean i personally um she's jamie's been warned about the night terrors she's been warned about getting you know drop kicked uh in the night just for sleeping um if she elbows her in the bed if she you know gets up to go to the bathroom and the flush is too loud you're basically trusting a a, a narcoleptic um with probably post-traumatic stress to not stab you to death in the middle of the night. I mean, I just, I think about, I think about, sorry, this isn't funny at all, but I think about, um, remember like Oscar Pistorius, the Olympian who, who shot his girlfriend through the bathroom door because he thought it was an intruder or something like that. The guy who had, he was like a runner, but he had one leg. No, I didn't know that at all. If someone's trying to kidnap you, it's really not a good idea to stab to try to stab them. Like if somebody's coming up to you in the street and mugging you, chances are uh, they've got a much bigger weapon than a knife. And um, I don't think that that's in any of the official, you know, government guidance that that you pull a knife on someone is trying to rob you. Jamie says, um, you know what? I've only been mugged one time here. And when she said that, I was kind of on Chris's side at that point because the truth is I've never been mugged. And if I were to have been mugged, then I I would start carrying some kind of weapon at that point. I, I think so. Mm. So I don't fault Chris 100% for this choice, but it also doesn't feel like a healthy and safe choice. I think the the thing was is that Jamie got like punched in the face and her, her phone stolen. And to me, that's like the pettiest kind of crime, 
people were still still st- stealing phones is it 2004 like I you can get a phone anywhere <laughs> like it feels very 2008 it feels very aughts, aughts to steal a phone doesn't it yeah it I, I mean I've never been mugged knock on wood um I've I've been sort of uh, pickpocketed. So I've had stuff stolen when I wasn't looking. Um, I had my passport stolen in Spain, but I got it back. Like somebody turned it into the, to the police. So I was really lucky. Um, so I've never been in that situation, but I'm the, the, one of the nice things about living here in England is nobody has guns like absolutely nobody. So we don't really worry about, uh, people have knives, but it's, I don't know, like, like, like you said, um, like nobody's going to see me coming and try to take my phone off me because everyone's got a phone. No one wants my old ass phone when they can just steal one from the store. (laughs) So, yeah, I, Yeah, this idea that it's this idea that Um, for Chris, it's like this cultural thing that she needs in order to be comfortable, like her bubblegum toothpaste is like, I, I just don't get that. I mean, (laughs) again, maybe that's me judging because I didn't, I don't come from like a, a a gun filled knife filled household. So none of that's normal to me. Um, and, for, and I get for some people, uh, you know, maybe th- that's how life is. Um, I mean, someone did burn her house down. So there's that. I mean, if, if somebody is burning your house down, maybe you do need all that protection. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I just I, I agree with you. I think there is just a culture that I am not a part of that that feels that having weapons is was is what keeps you safe it feels like a very isolated or yeah it feels like a a, a a pattern of behavior you would have if you lived out in the wilderness by yourself it feel it feels like a a mantle passed down from yesteryear when one had to protect their homestead or uh you know i don't know their plantation or their whatever with with weaponry and so it's like i get it that there are people in certain parts of this country who feel like okay this is what keeps me safe like if i didn't have this then people would just run up on me um and it's kind of the same way i think that some people feel in urban areas like in city areas where they feel like they have to have this thing on them or someone's going to come up on them so um <laughs> uh yeah so i think that's it. I, all we have to say about them do you have any, any last words yes, about jamie and Chris? um i i loved that she prefaced going to the weapon shop with i really want to see the city and look at the sites and take in all there is to see and I'd like to buy some weapons. I just thought it's like sightseeing. Like, yeah, we're good. Let's go see. It's like you go to Paris. Let's go see the Eiffel Tower and the Champs Elysees and Versailles. And then let's buy some knives. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just thought that was a really nice way of sneaking yeah. it in. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely think that. Yeah, it's it's almost like she wanted to scope out the scene. She was like, "Let's let's let me sightsee and see where like danger it might be, where danger might be a lurking." Also, Chris has not worn a stitch of black clothing. She's not sneaking up on anybody. 
She's got the rainbow mask. She's got like the pink scrunchie. She's got like ribbons and bows and, you know, like colored flags coming up, dressing up in unicorn onesies. She's not surprising anybody. Okay. (laughs) Very, 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 very right. Um, What did you think of the pillow titties? Um, You know, it's a little bit on the nose (laughs) for me. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if I'm trying to think of the equivalent yeah. would be like if um, if I was moving in, you know, with with my husband for the first time and and he had like ball sack pillows or dick pillows or something, I would it would feel like a lot of pressure, especially if especially because like I'm not a very particularly well endowed you know, lady. Um, if I was with another lady and I saw tits that big on the bed, I would feel like, okay, I hope she wasn't expecting. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, let's move on to our next couple and let's just, let's just talk about these, this asshole. Okay. (laughs) Let's just talk about her being a giant douche canoe. So we start off with, um, that is Danielle and Rohan, Johan, Rohan, Danielle and Johan, you guys. So where do we start? This is after the huge, huge debacle um, where Danielle's friend has come to town and she wants to scope out the Sanke Panke, okay? She wants to scope out uh, Johan. So they have a little meeting where the best friend, or not the best friend, the friend is just like, hey, my girl cannot have children. And do you want children? Because it's going to be an uphill battle. And he's like, well, I do want children and God is going to help us do this. And she's like, well, you know, you're 33, like, how come you don't have any kids? Like what's going on? And he says, well, I, you know, a girlfriend was pregnant and she lost the baby. And then I, somebody else had an abortion. Like he, to me in that moment talks about how he had more than one person who could have had a baby and chose not to, or wasn't able to. And then he, um, then that gets interpreted to Danielle and Danielle is up in arms because she feels that she has been grossly lied to and she can't trust a liar. And I, I think all of us are a little bit confused as to exactly what the lie is. And the lie is that he just told her that, that she lost the baby, not that she had an abortion. And everyone in the United States of America and around the world is wondering what fucking difference that makes. Right, exactly. And and also, it's absolutely none of her fucking business how this woman that she's never met, that she has nothing to do with, um, what choices she made. She she might have had to terminate the pregnancy for medical reasons. She might have it. You know, it doesn't matter. And in and in any way or in any circumstance for Danielle to have a fucking opinion about what the, again, what this complete stranger did, it's none of her business. It's not, it wasn't his decision whether she was going to have the baby or not. Why does she need to know? Is she, 
are, what are they setting us up for? Is she going to go meet this yeah. woman and have a talk with her and be, and be like, why did you have an abortion? Like, yeah, it is very interesting because it's almost like, does Danielle think that if that woman hadn't had an abortion, then she would be off the hook of having a baby? Um, why is it her business? You're absolutely correct. Like, then she's like, well, it's, I'm not mad that she had an abortion. I'm mad that Johan didn't tell me that she had an abortion because he knows that I'm really trying to have a baby and it's hard for me. And it, it just feels like he would tell me something like that. What? What girl? <laughs> what are we arguing about? She is so in her feelings and then like fake crocodile tear crying because she's in the car and she's like. And literally no tears. <laughs> I see no tears. He leaves her in the car, walks off. And she then um, wants to have this conversation with him, but says that she can't because she doesn't have the words. And we're like, oh, now you think it's important to be able to communicate to him. And now it's, oh, we see, <laughs> okay. Um, and then she is like, for the first time, what I've, I've seen in 90 Day Fiance history is that they actually have a producer translate. What do you think of this poor producer having to translate when they're like, uh, uh, uh it's not my job? <laughs> um, I think in that, I mean, I mean, that was weird. That hasn't happened before. Um, I wonder if they were trying to just move things forward. I, but I have a feeling, I think Danielle directs and produces all of the time they're on camera or she refuses to film. Like I, I, I think she's one of those people who will just, she'll straight up stop talking or she'll do like, I've, I've heard on Bravo what they do is, you know, someone will go Bravo, Bravo, you know, in front of the camera. Um, I think she stops the action unless she controls it. So I think probably they were trying to cut around her saying, you know, like, well, I'm not going to sit here if this motherfucker isn't going to tell me what he means, you know? And so I think in the absence of, it's not like they're going to ask his mom to come out and translate. So I think that's probably what happened. I think she I think she probably is as much of a nightmare to work with as she appears to be on film. Did you see her on um, Instagram talking about like she, I'll, I'll send it to you. It's some video where she's like item number one or like information number one. And she goes and talks about how um, she's like, if you saw anywhere on any of the shows that I've been on, that I said that he would come to the US, um, please show me because the show is not called 90 Day Fiance. The show is called The Other Way or Love in Paradise. And I was like, well, you know what? <laughs> it's not that it, it's not that you told him you would. You didn't tell him you would not is what it is. So you left it gray and open. Um, I don't know if you watch Love in Paradise, but their first I did, season where yeah. we first meet them yeah. is in Love in Paradise, which is like a spin-off. Okay, great, 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 great. Um, so anyway, she says that. And anyways, I'll send it to you so you can see what I'm talking about, um, you know, post the show. But <laughs> she definitely, I think you're right. I think that she definitely wants to have control and probably tries to, you know, create her own storyline. The problem is, is that the editors are the ultimate people who create the storyline and she is getting a very bad edit. And I'm trying to think about a way in which her edit is like, it, her behavior is just the edit, 
But like truly, if she's actually saying these things out of her mouth, there's no voiceover of her saying these things so we could think that they spliced it. Like she really is sitting across from him telling him that he's a toxic person because he doesn't want to have a long drawn out conversation about his ex's abortion. And she's like, we're married now. As married people, we can't just be sacable, that's it. We have to try to work through these things. And I mean, I feel like she's in such a non-traditional person that the truth is, is that if she were to decide that it were over and she didn't want to talk, then it would be fine. But it's because he's doing it and she wants to control the situation that all of a sudden she's the victim of her husband not wanting to sit down and talk with her about a non-issue, Michelle. I, and I don't know what this is a proxy issue for. Like that's normally on shows like these, they t they talk about something completely unrelated because they can't say what's really wrong or they don't want to say what's really wrong. But with her, there's so, so many reasons that she is, <laughs> she is on the wrong side of every single argument, every single discussion they have ever had. She's just wrong. She's wrong about him being able to find work in New York City. She's wrong about, um, you know, him being able to, him needing English to get a job. I mean, I'm sure you guys have been through all that, you know, like absolutely. What, what she's projecting onto him is that she doesn't want to be a kitchen porter and she doesn't want to be a dishwasher or she doesn't want to to do manual labor right but or or any jobs where you know english is not necessarily needed right um so she's projecting like her lifestyle and what she wants onto him so it's like, well, you can't, what, what she really wants to say and can't say is like, well, you could get a job in America, but it would be a shit job that I'd be embarrassed of. Cause like, I don't want my friends to know that, wow, you, that yeah. you work in a kitchen or whatever. Right. Or at a gym. Like oh that's what I think that's, and it's yep. so fucking insulting and it's such a gross, uh, misrepresentation and, uh, of American culture, of American immigrant culture. And it's such a, it, it, like she's misleading his whole family. And we all know that she's, you know, she's been made bankrupt and look, people go into debt. I'm not uh, passing judgment on her for that. Cause we all make bad decisions, but for her to be like, there's flies on the meat and you need a laptop to do your, you know, to do your accounting and all of this is just, it gets harder and harder every week and worse and worse. And not to mention <laughs> her spending, I'm sorry, but <laughs> there's a Botanica, there's a Botanica um, like 20 minutes down the road from me and they would never charge me $200 for that. Not in a million years. So good for them <laughs> because I think they've seen her coming. Yeah. I also was like, you got mad at him for eating $200 worth of peanuts, but you can come over here and spend $200 worth of like, I mean, listen, I guess for her and her, her religion. And also like every time she says I'm of the Ifa faith, I'm just like, stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> just I'm like, you, 
little just thief, you know, <laughs> that's what I feel of her. She's just this little like usurper of cultures. It's like, like, you know, and, and normally I'm not a big like, oh, okay, culture vulture. I'm not like, I let people live their lives, but because on top of the fact that she's like shitty to this black man from the Dominican Republic, like I'm a little annoyed. Um, and it's not that, you know, she wouldn't be shitty to anyone else, black, white or other, or Latino or whatever, but it's just like, she's, whew, she is such a little meanie. And she doesn't think she is because she's like, I know what I want. And it's like, girl, then you should not have married this poor man from the Dominican Republic. It's because he's tall, he's dark, he's handsome, and he's probably, you know, she says that he's like hung. So like, that's the reason why you want him. And now you want him to like to fold up in your pocket and be care to carry him around wherever you want to go and smash his dreams. Oh my God, I totally forgot about the Botanica for real. And <laughs> He, he was also a little sassy when he was in there and he said, do you believe in any of this? And the lady's like, mm -mm. and uh, it, I was a little like, okay, you're, you're being a little rude and sassy in here too. Um, but yeah, the whole, like, you're toxic. He's like, oh, I'm toxic. <laughs> okay. Well then let's, okay. I guess the person I told this information to was another Danielle and we could just break up right here. I I'm like, yeah, let's break up. <laughs> let's break up. <laughs> Anything Oof. else to say about them? Just that, um, just that this is, it, it's another, it, it's not a narrative that I like to see in the 90 day universe. Um, and yet it's increasingly common of a, uh, of a woman or a man, you know, um, thinking that because of the differences in, the differences in culture. You know what? I'm not going to dance around it. It's the fact that she thinks that she can buy this black man, like purchase this black man who will not have dreams or wants or ambitions of his own. And because she bought him, um, he owes her a living, right? Because she's rescued him from what his job at a resort, like she's, she sees herself as rightly in the position of power because she's paid to get him out of poverty. And I just, I think that is so vile and dehumanizing. And it's, a, again, it's a side of these, it's, it's a, it's a narrative in, in the 90 day universe that I just really hate. And that makes me really sad. Yeah. You know, I, I think the same thing, like you think of a storyline like David and Annie from the yesteryear. And at first it felt a little bit like Annie was like, listen, if David have no money, then I'm not going to marry him. And a little bit of the American feeling like, listen, I come to you with nothing, but I'm American. And so obviously I'm already going to give you a better lifestyle and a better way of living than what you're doing. The potential for me to support you and give you things is great. It's also another thing when it's female American to male um, right. of a person of color from another country, because it's not always just race. It's, it's nationality too, because it'll be a, an American woman who is a woman of color who will go over to another country and find another man of another, of an, of a color and treat him the same way. It's, it's this weird imperialism that sometimes Americans can have um, that they're like, oh, I'm taking you out of your like your little shitty environment and I'm going to bring you to my shitty environment, but my shitty environment is better. And it, it's, you know, the way that it should be. And it's, it's, it really is kind of, 
it's just rude. I mean, at the base of it, it's just rude and narcissistic um, to a T. And yeah, I, I, it is a indicative of what we're watching, but that's the kind of funny and beauty of it is that I think anybody who watches the show it starts to see how shitty some folk can be. Um, and another reason why I like the other way is because we kind of get rid of that. Oh, he's using you for your money type trope, except for with Julian and right. Debbie. Yeah. Um, but and we'll get to them soon. Um, all right. So let's be done talking about these two. Uh, I want to move on to some of our more interesting couples. Um, you know what? Let's talk about Isabel and Gabriel quick, because I mean, really what happened in their segment? I, I'm going to go over it really quickly. You just add your two cents. But honestly, to me, they are just as boring as Chris and um, whatever her name is. Jamie It's just so, so boring. OK, so let me zoom in. What does this look like? I like this. OK, so <laughs> so um, <laughs> basically we start off with uh, them in Colombia, obviously, and they are going around to different vendors um, because Gabe is like truly stressed out in the car about his business. I don't know if he's stopped production for two months while he's doing his move. I'm not sure what's going on, but he's like, I need to make money. I need to make money or I can't live here all of a sudden. And like the heat is on. And so she's like, babe, calm down, calm down. And she's like, he's like, you don't understand if there is, I can't remember, negocias, no, noticias, negocias, I think. Negocios. Like if there's yeah. no business, oh, negocios, great. If, if there's no negocios, then there's no dinero. And she's just like, uh, yeah, I moved from my comfortable home being a, I think a lawyer's receptionist or something like that. Yeah, she was um, an assistant at a law firm. here, so I'm going to help you with this. Yeah, I'm gonna help you make this money, babe. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry. And so they get in the car and they're driving around and he says something that makes me so annoyed when men say this, um, that he feels emasculated because she's doing all the work. Michelle? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I hate that. <laughs> I, I hate that. Uh, look, I mean, he hired her, um, and it was, it was his choice to get into a personal relationship with her. And if he feels threatened by the fact that he's put her in this position, you know, if he, if, if he can't talk to the vendors, that is very much his problem, you know, learn Spanish. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Learn it to the point, especially living in wherever he lives. I think he's like in Miami or Florida somewhere. I could be yeah. wrong. But he's somewhere where there's a lot of Spanish. And so he has the opportunity. And I think he's Latino himself. So like he has the the availability of Spanish speakers around him, like to learn the language in that way, if, if wanted. Um, I was watching some girl on TikTok She's this redheaded girl from the South and her husband is this Cuban man, um, Cuban black man. And um, her Spanish is on point. And so everyone always asks her, how did you like learn Spanish so well? And she's like, well, I started taking it in high school and I decided that I really wanted to learn this language. So I started to watch things in Spanish. Anytime I got an opportunity to travel, I went somewhere where I spoke to only Spanish speakers. And I think she said she got a job somewhere where she, where someone there spoke Spanish. So she had that person speak to her in Spanish. And this is a redheaded girl from the deep South. Like her accent is real deep and she's fully learned Spanish. And she has this Cuban boyfriend. 
and he doesn't speak English. He's English, he's learning it. He goes to like English school to oh, learn it. So he's cool. in the States. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, can you guys be on 90 Day Fiance? Like what I want <laughs> to see this representation of 90 Day Fiance. And, but she did it on her own volition. Like she, from high school was like, I need to figure out how to speak this language because I want to learn this language. And I think that when you fall in love with somebody from another country, then it's your duty to to do that, especially if you're going to go live there. Um, so he gets there and yeah, he does blame her. I feel like it's so stupid. But then he forgot his stamp or whatever. And she's just like, okay, well, we'll just make a new one. And he's so upset about the stamp that he can't even think about just the solution to the problem. <laughs> go, Michelle. <laughs> I mean, look, she is extremely patient. She's probably the most genuinely like patient and loving uh, person we've seen on this show in a long time. And she obviously knows how to, I mean, I don't mean this in a misogynist way, but like she obviously knows how to stroke a man's ego. You know what I mean? Like she knows how to handle a man because what's really happening is it's not above, it's not about the fucking stamps. It's about the fact that he's no longer in a position of, of power anymore. And he has to work out the prices with these vendors and, and he's, he's ashamed to kind of be going into these kind of environments and having this woman speak for him. Right. And it's, and, and it's not just the fact that he's a man, it's the fact that he's, you know, not used to working for somebody else or with somebody else. Like he's a, he's a one man shop. Right. So yeah, it, it was kind of weird to me though, that, um, you know, he's, he's paying her. To, this is the, this is the kind of work that she would be doing even if he wasn't living there, because I thought he hired her because he wanted to, um, you know, get cheaper suppliers or get different suppliers um, of the fabrics. So I, I yeah, just I think, you know, if you don't, if, if you can't deal with working together and you need to separate that, then maybe you need to think about that and not have her be the person that's uh, representing you. Yeah. <laughs> also l learn the metric system, you know, like I get it. We, we, oh, we God. something different in the States. You know what, though? I have been living here for probably 15 years, and I still, there's something in me that can't do it. So whenever we have to order anything <laughs> off of, like, anytime we order something in bulk, like from Costco or something, I'm like, do I need, you know, a kilo of uh, Robin's gluten-free? So I'm like, I do I need a kilo of gluten-free pasta? Like, Oh, it's on special. So I'll get five of them. And to me, a kilo is like, it's whatever. It's a sack of flour, right? And then all of a sudden we get these like drums of macaroni <laughs> that come on the doorstep <laughs> because like, I can't, I can't work it out in my head. I don't even bother doing the, uh, the translation. So I, I sympathize with him, but you know, I, my advice to anyone would be if you're in a country where you need to learn different measurements, just learn it and don't be like me and end up with like more potatoes or more pasta than you will ever eat in your entire life. Like we're out here looking like, um, <laughs> did, like we're in it, we're starting a doomsday cult with all the food we've got. <laughs> 
There's Costco in the UK. That makes me so happy. <laughs> yes, there is one Costco in the UK, or at least in the in the London kind of uh, region, and you have to drive a really long way to go out there. Um, but we love it. It's so good. Thank you, Costco. <laughs> 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 oh my gosh all right um i think we're done with them let's move on to who else is boring oh you know what let's just move on to the heavy hitters let's get to rishi and jen y'all okay Ooh. so as we know from last episode um <laughs> okay as we know <laughs> from last episode uh, she got very upset with him and he held her his hands on her hips outside trying to convince her that it was okay. And she was a strong woman and she said, no, no, let me know when you're willing to be honest. And so she gets in the cab, she goes home and then he's texting her all night furiously. And so at some point between the time that she gets in that cab and we pick up with her the next day, she's forgiven him and decided that it's her fault for getting as upset as she got. And I tell you, the socialization, the way that women are socialized in this here country and maybe around the world is to truly cater to a man and to deny and push down all of your feelings about a situation in order to make the fairy tale work. I want to know, did she watch Jenny and Sumit's story? Has she seen any other 90 Day Fiance to know that this is not going to work? Um, he then comes to the house with a new outfit for her and she's very excited about it. She's like, wow, that's really my style. Okay. And um, <laughs> he's, he's like, yes, you know, I, I want you to meet my family. Like, this is really important to me. And so it's that part that is like wheedled into her brain that like, he wants me to meet his family. So that means he's going to do something. This is going to work out because why would he want me to meet my family, his family? And so then his little friend comes. I can't remember the friend's name. Uh, let's call him Joe. So Oh, good. <laughs> Sanjeet, thank you. Um, so Sanjeet is there too. And Sanjeet is not with the shits. Like, Michelle, tell us a little bit about what Sanjeet's little, little time there is. Um, I, I wish that there was a Sanjeet in every one of these relationships because he is like Jiminy Cricket uh, from Pinocchio just laying it out there. You know, like... Rishi's out here being like, yeah, this is the right way to do it because we're going to build a friendship and they'll get to know you as my friend. And then eventually they'll accept you as my wife. And Sanjeet's like, this is absolutely not going to work. And uh, they will um, imprison him in his house. So I hope you're not thinking, I think he even dropped an F-bomb there too. I think, I think he was like, uh, yeah, this is a fucking terrible idea. <laughs> isn't it so magical thinking of these men to think that this is how it's going to happen and it's going to all happen in two months because there is a timeline if he wanted if he wanted them to feel comfortable with the gen he should have been facetiming jen with the mom this shouldn't be this awkward situation yeah so sanjeet is definitely like no this is a bad idea and this is not going to work and um let's go though so they hop in the, the tuk-tuk and Jen is pissed. Jen is like, Sanjeet, I'm so glad you're here right now because I would be so angry 
at Rishi. I wouldn't want to sit next to him because I hate him right now. But I'm just smiling through the pain. <laughs> so <laughs> they uh, get to the mom's house. And um, Michelle, tell us a little bit about that interaction between the mom and the sister and Shenji. I mean, and Rishi and Jen. Well, it's it was a lot, wasn't it? it because in the beginning, Jen sort of drops the the very bizarre um, hint that fortunately goes over everyone's heads uh, because it's not translated that she's, you know, obviously she went to Priyanka, his sister's wedding. She's like, and now I get to attend two weddings of your family. And they're just like, great. Who is this? I mean, wait until all I was thinking was wait until she finds out that she's been brought in as a housekeeper, an unpaid housekeeper to take over for Rishi's mom. Right? Like, yeah. she hasn't even begun yep. to I... scratch the surface. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, and it makes I... me so annoyed that they just don't do, they don't do research. None. None at all. You can't even, in two years, like what conversations are you having that you don't get to like, so who do you live with? Or what's your living situation? Tell me about your, you know, your neighborhood. What's going on in the neighborhood? Who all's there? You know, who's in your friend group? But I, so I have a theory and this might be controversial. I don't think that when they met, he was modeling at the hotel, I think he was escorting. Really? Yeah. Wow. I, uh, why? Let's let's dive into that. <laughs> okay, so he's a personal trainer. He's on um, social medias, which whichever social medias he's on, and he's and he's talking to foreign women, and I just don't. I, I'm not saying it didn't turn into more, um, you know, like a pretty woman situation. I just don't think, uh, I just don't buy that he's a commercial model who would be working for an agency that would put him in the kind of hotel that she would be staying. I'm just not buying it that he's making any money, either being a personal trainer or, um, or modeling. And I think because they met in the hotel bar and things like that, obviously she might not have even known. I'm not saying she was out there, you know, looking for an escort, but I think they had an understanding in the beginning. And, and we know that they slept together the first night because not that there's anything wrong with that. Not that you wouldn't do that without an escort. I just feel like money has been exchanged between them and that this is kind of a hole that he's dug himself into that he doesn't want to get out because actually she's given him probably a lot of money. That is the best thing I've ever heard. Thank you so much for that. I, like I, I, that it, I loved it. I loved every single morsel of that information. And I wish that that were it. That would make me so happy. It's like, again, totally alleged. No. Um, I have, I have no proof of this. <laughs> no proof at all. 
but it's really fun to think about. Um, yeah, so this conversation is really awkward. I had a hard time watching it without pausing and it kind of walking away because she's like, oh, did Rishi tell you that we've, how long have, have you guys been trying to find him um, a wife? And the sister understands English. Like she may, not, right. um, she may not be able to understand all of it and speak all of it, but she probably knows enough to know that Rishi is not telling the exact truth when he's um, interpreting and the same, and so does Sanjeet. Like Sanjeet knows this whole thing is full of BS and he's just there for it. Now, here's the part that was kind of interesting. Um, she's like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to be here for two marriages. And then it like pans over to Rishi's brother. Why does Rishi and his brother look like they come from two different worlds? I mean, <laughs> Rishi is looking very westernized compared to that brother. I, I would dare say that brother might be slow. That brother is not getting married. <laughs> there was something very, he, it, I mean, he looked like he had no idea and had never seen a camera crew or lights a, a day in his life. He's not even paying attention to the conversation. He's looking at the cameraman. Yeah. I mean, I, I never know how they go. Like, I know we're, we haven't talked about them yet, but it, it reminded me a lot of, of Mahmoud's uh, mother, who, if you look carefully, yeah, yeah, is in yeah. the background of every scene, just kind of like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're like, what is happening? What is this? What is this phenomenon? Yeah, the, the like the brother definitely was giving much of like, oh, it's really bright in here right now. Like, what? It's kind of interesting. Like, what? I don't even know what's going on. It's also like it's so funny that uh, Rishi's mother, she's not going to be prepared once Rishi tells her, if Rishi ever tells her, because she was like, oh, I, you know, very interesting that this woman is interested in the Indian way of life. Why? why yeah I, there's nothing uh, i think she why can't you... <laughs> even like her brain can't even go there like they're in the same way that i mean when you think about it i totally thinking about sumit's mom and how jenny you know came to stay with them under the guise of like oh being a tourist in india and then befriended sumit's mom and then it came out that she was, that she like took Sumit's virginity or or whatever, you know, like that is the kind of betrayal. I get that. That's a betrayal you never get over. Right. And this woman, I think this woman can't even go there in her head, partly because of, you know, like why, why would he be in a relationship with, with an American woman who's whatever, 18 years older than him, but also she's probably like, she's probably like five years older than Jen. She's probably like in her fifties. So I, I think it's just a complete, like does not compute. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it would occur to her. I honestly don't. And that's what makes it yeah. so horrible and so devastating. And honestly, I think if he had any decency whatsoever, he would just, you know, go through the legal marriage with Jen, if he does want to marry her, which, you know, I don't know. And then just never tell your family. Like nobody needs to know. Why, why, why does everybody need to know everything? <laughs> 
because it's culture. Their parents, parents have so much control over their sons and daughters. It's it's so different than here in the States. Like I think just culturally, like it is just see like parents can stop marriages. That is wild. That is a completely that is a that is a culture and maybe yeah, culture just built on marriage where yeah. you have to be okay with your person your children bringing someone into the family. It's it's so different. The U.S. has such a, here's the two things that U.S. has. They have a very uh, love marriage type way of thinking that marriage should be, um, which is crazy because so many people in this country get married for a myriad of reasons and none of them having to do with love, but we still think at least on the surface, that you should pretend to love each other um, right. and then as though you can't like learn to love and all that stuff. And then the next thing is that marriage is a must. Marriage is a must. And the people who don't get married just have literally no money to do so. But even those people still get married. Like everyone does. Um, and you know, you have a few outliers that don't, but it's not because your family didn't try or maybe you didn't have a family. Those unlucky folks who are like orphans and stuff like that, maybe they don't have that for them, but it's very much built on that. If you have any kind of a modicum of support or love or cohesiveness to your family, you're gonna try to get your, your child married. Um, and Jen just has no idea about this. She thinks that he could just like make that choice, especially after him telling her that he's the primary breadwinner and that you know the you know that's why they want him to get married so that the family can like progress mother is tired of working she's like listen my kids right. are grown my kids should be giving me grandchildren and i should be chilling like sitting outside you know it's not like i feel like sumit's mother <laughs> is maybe a little bit um younger than than rishi's mother because sumit is 33 but i think his older brother is married you know they're very much in the beginning stages and Wait, maybe not older. Maybe they're about the same age, honestly. Like, it's just time for their sons and their daughters to get married and and go on to the next, um, have the next generation and teach the daughter-in-law all the things and all the tricks of the trade in the, in the family and whatnot. And it's just so interesting that Jen is so caught up on his lies that she hasn't even thought about what he might be saving her from. Yeah. <laughs> I, it, it would have been a so. good idea to read a book, right? Or, you know, if you can't do that, <laughs> maybe I'm sure there's someone on YouTube that explains, because I, I mean, obviously India is a huge place and that I don't know anything about the culture in Jaipur, you know, it's, but there are differences everywhere in the languages that people speak and their religions. Like they didn't really say, um, whether he was Hindu or Muslim, like we don't know. She probably doesn't know, you know? Like there are these huge things that I mean, like even when I when I came here, I was in sort of my early to mid twenties and there were there were differences here that I wished that I had kind of looked up before I came over. You know, like I had to and this is a at least I speak the language. But there's all these cultural things where when when you get here, you're kind of like, oh, oh, no, that was inappropriate. I shouldn't have said that. Or, you know, this is the I, I basically spent, you know, like five solid years being extremely embarrassed 90 percent of the time because I was I was like misreading cultural cues. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's so doing I mean, that. I, I probably did the. I went to London and I was probably terrible. So go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
No, I mean the bet. Okay, the best example I can think of is this, and it wasn't five years. Like I, had, I adjusted pretty quickly, um, relatively speaking. But I didn't really understand England, you know, as because London's very different from the rest of the country, as as you've learned from Ninety Day UK, right? It's there's these are very different places. Um, but I remember going to this guy who I was dating at the time introduced me to his parents and um, they call pants uh, or they call underwear pants uh, here and they call pants trousers oh. or jeans. So when you're talking about pants, you're talking about underwear. And I was wearing like, it was the summertime. I was wearing a dress and his mother, who was like this very like posh English lady was, was like, Oh, what a what a pretty dress, you know? And I said, I said, oh, thank you. I I thought about wearing pants, but you know, I never wear pants in the summer. So this woman that I was meeting for the first time thought that I was telling her that I don't wear underwear. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I thought they called them knickers. Man, I would have gotten trouble. You're right. I would not have known that. <laughs> that is a great great story thank you for telling me that that'll forever stay in my brain and now all of you out there know that if you were to ever go to london you know that pants are underwear slash knickers yep. or um <laughs> trousers <laughs> is what you need to say yeah trousers um, my thing is the leggings. jumper like, oh. <laughs> jumper is a sweater and i'm like why <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that is a weird one <laughs> okay let's move on to the next couple i don't think we have anything to say but how did it end wait so rishi it was really awkward and rishi was like i haven't told jen yet and jen says that she was very close to telling his people of the lies that he has given to her and the fact that that they are affianced and i keep wanting her to understand that her and rishi may be affianced here but they are not affianced in real life. They are not affianced because his family has not said so. So that means that they are not a fiance. And that's the thing Jen doesn't understand. Jen doesn't understand that like, no, y'all are not. He's lied to you and said, hey, will you marry me? But he's not going to be able to marry you until his parents say it's okay. So they've jumped the gun. Um, but she says that I'm not gonna do his dirty work for him. Now he has to tell his family. And I'm like, oh no, Jen. No, 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 no. <laughs> He's not going to do it. It's not going to be until you have to leave. And I don't think they're going to get married. I think she's going to go home sad. It's just a game of chicken now, really. You know? It's just going to be who who yeah. gives first. Because uh, he's very stubborn. You know? He's not like Sumit. He's not... He's not a wet noodle. Let's go on to the next couple. And that is, oh, another culture shock. Mich not Michelle. <laughs> What's her name? Nicole. Nicole. It's very close. Another French name. Michelle, Nicole, yeah. Michelle. It's, it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> so Nicole and Mahmoud, everyone. Nicole and Mahmoud. Okay. So we start off this one with, uh, her crying. No, we start off with um, um, Mahmoud and his mother in the kitchen. 
just making it work in that tiny space. And they are hoping that God willing, inshallah, that um, Nicole is happy and wants to stay, but she's taking a long time in the bathroom and the mother is very concerned. And you could tell if mom is getting a little annoyed that the mom keeps on pushing him to go check on her. And then you can also tell he's annoyed that he has to like call her name three times before she can answer. I'm just going to say this really annoyed with the way Mahmoud constantly says to her, honey, my love, honey, it sounds like he's talking to a pet, not a person. It, it just feels very automatic and I don't like it. I don't know. What do you think of that, Michelle? Um, I think it's a cultural thing. Um, I, I've met mm-hmm. Egyptians and, and people from that part of the world or and even like had clients from that part of the world and and they do um like i i used to be a a private tutor for um a couple of different saudi families over the year like they would over the summer they would come to london and they'd uh you know want their little um daughters to be tutored and and when you talk or when I talk to them and I'm not saying Egyptian and Saudi are the same, but you know, Arab culture, generally you, you do call everyone dear and love and, uh, like even your boss, like even talking to these clients, I'm like, what time shall I come over? My dear, when shall I see you again? My dear, thank you, my dear for this. Thank you, my dear for that. And, and everything is, you know, um, hugs and holding hands. So, so there is, it is kind of a natural part of, of the culture, but it, but I totally get the, the cognitive dissonance and it would annoy, it, it it does annoy me. Like, I don't like to see it, especially in this context, because it's like people who call each other babe, right? It's the same thing. It's like, babe, can you do that? Babe, can you come in? Okay, babe, babe. Yeah, it's the same. It's a similar thing. He is trying to figure out like if she's okay. She's in the bathroom talking about how she has to squeeze you the floor. Now, I feel like this is producer setup because they always do this thing where they make the American just kind of talk through the difference in the way that they're doing things in that country. And it, it, gives, it gives the American audience a little bit of an other type thing where you're like, oh, this is different. Um, And the bathroom is like one of these spaces where the shower and the sink are all the same floor, flooring, which is different for the US. Um, We usually have a different space for the water to fall onto the floor than the the whole bathroom. And and it's kind of, I've had this experience in Japan too, I was at my cousin's house where his toilet wasn't in the same space as the wash space and the sink. And I don't know if that's like normal or whatever, maybe that was just his apartment, but his toilet was in a different room than the like bathroom. And um, so they were very like uh, making her like talk about squeegeeing the floors and how she likes to clean up afterwards because she doesn't want anybody to come in there and slip because she's made a mess. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure they know how to, you know, walk in their own restroom. Um, and she talks about how she usually takes time getting ready and that, you know, it's her Zen time to get ready in the morning. And, um, she doesn't know how she's going to do it here. And then she starts to cry. (laughs) 
I mean, this woman knows that this is this life. She's had this life before. So I don't understand why she is so upset. And it's not like she didn't know she was coming to live in his parents' home. So I would just like for her to stop complaining about it because she had forewarning. This is not, she didn't get kidnapped and just ended up in Egypt having to like squeegee her own bathroom floor. It's a, sorry, say that again. It, it broke up. The connection broke up. Oh yeah, no, she, I say she doesn't, doesn't, this is not the first time she's had to like be here. So I don't like it that she's acting as though she got kidnapped and all of a sudden was just here having to squeegee her own bathroom floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's just annoying. I, it, it's, it's tough. I, I see a little bit, um, I mean, I think a lot of people are saying this. I, I'm not one to like, I'm an autistic person myself. And so I, I guess I tend to be more aware of that in other people or, or like I see that more readily in other people. And I wonder if maybe there isn't, if she doesn't have a touch of that because there's, there's a moment, um, and I'll get back to your point in a, in a second, but there there's a moment where she's out in public. And I think this happens when she comes into the apartment too. But did you ever see those videos on YouTube where um, people were claiming that, uh, that Eminem was, was a robot or an alien, or I think Al Roker was the other one where you just see them sort of, and it has to be something to do with the, with, you know, the producer in your ear or whatever, but there's just like, they both kind of just, like freeze for a minute. <laughs> I hope so. No, I mean, don't Google it. I'll, t I'll send it to you. I don't want I don't want it coming up in your, like, I don't want that to mess up your algorithm, but, uh, somebody sent it to me a long time ago. I don't remember in what context, but the idea is that there's like, is the people they're lizard people or robots or whatever. And their programming is off for a second. So they kind of like freeze like that. She, she, Nicole does that a lot. Um, and I think that, mm -hmm. I think that all of the, uh, I think she feels the maximum sensation of whatever she's feeling like, um, at, at, at 11 before it's even hit one, if that makes sense. So like, rather than feel like a low grade irritation or a low grade overwhelm that builds and builds and builds, like she doesn't feel any of the lower, the shallow levels of that. She only feels it once it's so overwhelming that she can't take it anymore. Oh, that's so interesting. What an interesting way of putting that because I definitely, there is a moment where she's like, <laughs> yeah. and then she comes back and you're like, okay. <laughs> and that is what Mahmoud sees in her a lot of the time. Like she, she will come, she, she's crying in the bathroom because she says that she's mourning her previous life. And then she, he comes out, she comes out after he coaxes her out of the bathroom and the mother's back there like, yep, yep. <laughs> like, like, pay attention. 
And then, then she, uh, she goes into the bedroom and it's this like, you know, it's a two bedroom apartment and she gets into the bedroom and she's sitting there and she's like, and he's like, my love, my love, what's wrong? My, my love, what's wrong? And she's like, nothing, nothing, my love. Why do you think something's wrong? And he's like, I see it in your eyes, that crazy look in your eyes that you're upset. And I don't, I don't want you to be upset because I feel like it's my fault. And it feels like you don't want to be here and you're very upset and it's all my fault. And she's like, listen, it's not your fault. It's just the way life is. I am upset because I had to leave my old, better, freer, more power, more space life behind. And now I have to be here where you're on me. I can't go out. I can't dress how I want to. I have to eat your mother's fried potato food. And I don't have a full spread bathroom with a vanity for me to get ready in. Don't worry. I'm just mourning that life. And I, I'm, it's okay for me to be upset. It's okay for me to mourn my freedom. <laughs> like, And you're just like, girl, if you don't want to be here, then leave. I understand being 38 and really wanting to be with somebody who makes you feel loved and supported, but this ain't it, girl. And you're just mad at him and trying to force him to give you an American experience and not America. And then he doesn't know how to communicate when she's asking for something that isn't culturally what he's used to. He tries to make her feel like, why do you want that thing? That's of your old heathen life. Mm. You are now in a better married, protective life. So you shouldn't want that evil heathen things. I'm trying to get you to heaven. And you don't want to be that. I don't understand. Like marrying me was your ticket to heaven. Like that's how it feels a little bit. It's that he doesn't understand why she wants to go out and have friends and, and be a part of the community. But the truth is she doesn't. As soon as she gets out into the community, she like doesn't know how to behave. Um, she can't even pull out the right shoes when she's walking around in a place with no paved, like at least the place that they're walking when we saw them, it's dirt, it's not paved. So like, why is she bringing shoes for this? I don't know. I have no idea. Anyways, the everyone's really concerned about her. Um, what was your take on that? Yeah, it's it's a lot, isn't it? Because you you have two people who fundamentally cannot understand the other's experience. I mean, there's he might have a notional idea of what life might be like in the US, but I don't think he does. And he's also like, he is a baby. You know, he's the baby of his family. He's um, he's never experienced adversity or living on his own or, or any kind of, and you know, my understanding is that she's kind of lived all over the place and has kind of been directionless. So in, in that way, I can see how, it might appeal to her to marry someone who is very decisive, you know, and who lives by a very strict set of rules, but she might've wanted to check what those rules were before she married him and, and converted to Islam and agreed <laughs> to live in a Muslim country. I mean, he's, yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing that divides them, it's, it's not just her sort of, what I feel 
is honestly a willful ignorance of like not wanting to confront the things that are definitely her responsibility and, you know, down to her decisions. I'm not saying she's blaming him. Um, but I think it's just, I think, I think they need a translator, but even if they had a translator, I don't think it's like, there's an old adage that, um, if a lion could speak English, we still wouldn't be able to understand him because like the lion's experience, and I'm not saying Mahmoud is like an animal. I'm just saying that their life experiences and their relationships and their, you know, family lives are so completely different. They, they don't even have the words to express that to each other. Um, and I don't think there's, I don't think there's much of a willingness, uh, to see things, to try and see things from the other person's point of view. I think she thinks that she's trying to see things from his point of view. And, and I do genuinely think that she cares about him and he cares about her, but, um, she's 38 Mm -hmm. fucking years old and she needs to take accountability this is on her because he is never going to change. Never, ever, 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 ever is he yeah. ever going to change. Yeah. Never. And, yeah. and as yep, yep, for- yep. She's, the, she's the one who came. Yeah. And and I don't know- No, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I don't know why he can't come over, but, but I mean, for example- when she says, I want to meet your friends and get to know your friends. And he's like, well, I haven't met any of my friends' wives. Like that is, that is a cultural divide. I mean, even in, even in some of the neighborhoods in this here city, there are places where, where men go to drink coffee and play chess um, or drink coffee and smoke hookah. And you will never see a woman in there. You just won't. Cause it, because it's not in the culture. So I think what he, what she was thinking is, oh, he doesn't want me to meet these people because he's ashamed of me. But what he can't explain to her is like, no, 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 they've not been socialized around women. And so they're going to be embarrassed because they're not going to know what to say to you. He can't, he doesn't even have, when I say he doesn't have the language, I don't just mean like he can't say the words in English. Like he would have no he would have no reference point for describing what that embarrassment is because he's never experienced it beyond saying, Oh, this yeah. is weird. I this was a little be concerned awkward. because. Yeah. I, I was thinking it was a little weird that he didn't. Um, and I, you bring up some really, really great points. Cause I was thinking it from this perspective. I said, so if, if you had a bunch of buddies and y'all were married, you wouldn't host them at your home. And, and it could just be like, uh, maybe it's different in Egypt because my thought is, is like, you would invite your buddies over to the house, their wives would come to the wives would go into the kitchen and like, maybe do whatever. But now that I'm thinking of like the home in which Mahmoud lives in, it's rather small. And he's expecting his wife to live there his brother upstairs with her, like their family. So maybe it is um, that 
you just wouldn't need that kind of outside influences when you have that home. And it could just be that their particular part of Egypt, maybe it could be their so social economic class where they don't have a physical space right. to have people over to the home to be able to do something like that. And so it's just not a part of the, their modus operandi, but you're right. It's like, he gets so upset for her at her for wanting to do these things. And it's just so interesting how he has no idea about American culture to even know why she's asking to do these things. And it's another thing, it's crazy for her to even ask to do this. Like, I honestly, I don't think that I would care about meeting my guy's friends. <laughs> like if I were to move no, to that country, neither. I'd be more concerned about finding my friends. Yeah, <laughs> but she like is wanting to show him this like fun American way of being. And he's like, I don't want that. You're the one that travels around the world and like does all this. Like, I would like to stay here. Another thing about him going to the US, girl, what is he gonna do in the US? I mean, I don't know if he has, what his formal training is. And one, would it even translate? Two, he sells fabrics. So unless he's gonna take that company that he works with or that business that he works with and like set up a branch and, LA, I don't like, you know, downtown LA, I don't know that his particular skill set is going to transfer in any practical way. So no, and, oof. and it's, it's difficult too, because I, I'm sure he's, and, and this isn't just, you know, his culture, this, this is many cultures, uh, probably in most other places in the world, actually, like, he would have been raised to believe, okay, I'm the, I guess in Mormon, in Mormonism, it's like the, the husband is the priest holder, right? Like he's responsible for everybody's mm -hmm. religious education mm -hmm. and all that. So he would have been raised to believe that, okay, you, you will grow up, you'll get married. Your, your responsibilities are going to be your wife's religious education and she will raise your family and she'll take care of your mom and she'll babysit your nieces and nephews and she'll and she'll clean your house and she will and she will serve god right and that will make her happy that's going to be her entire happiness you know and he doesn't he doesn't understand like <laughs> and and that might that might have been possible for nicole like 15 years ago, but she's like our age, you know, and, and you and I are not yeah. about, I mean, I know I'm yeah. like, I'm married. I have a, a stepson, but I, I'm not about to find my life's fulfillment and my, my heart's, you know, divine purpose in cleaning this house or taking care of my husband yeah. or taking care of my kid. So like, she's, when he says, when he's surprised that she's upset, it's because his entire, it's not because he's like emotionally illiterate. It's because his entire life he's been told like, your wife is going to fucking love having 17 people around her all the time. <laughs> She's going to love these fried potatoes. She is going to want these kids hanging off of her 24 seven. And that is going to be, <laughs> you know, you will have given her all she ever needs. And so he's like, what? why is this happening? Like nobody told me like people always, <laughs> always say, Oh, it's the woman having this like princess Disney fantasy. And it isn't, it's men have a version of this too. 
Oh my God, you're so right. That is so true. It is so wild that that is like, yeah, I feel like I've been thinking that but I've kind of been beating around the bush. Like I didn't know how to exactly explain it because it's the same. I mean, he gets mad at her for wanting to go sit down and then they go sit down and he's like, is it okay if we sit here? And the guy's like, you bring American and camera crew. Yes, sit tafty. And like, He's like, okay, he's like, because men and women, when they're together, I mean, when men are together, they talk shit or they talk about women. And, you know, and I, I'm a, listen, when I think about all men hanging out, especially American men, I'm like, no good is coming out of that. Like, that is all misogyny and wild behavior. Like, I feel like young men, when they're together, they're doing weird things like circle jerks, and like <laughs> behaving poorly. Older men, they're not to be trusted either. Like, I just, I, from American perspective, when I hear about men's only type places, I think that is a dangerous place for a woman in any circumstance. And to even, to have that still be some kind of thought that we live in this world where like, if a man is, if a woman isn't married, then she's unprotected. And to truly believe that this woman is vulnerable without men is such an interesting, you know, place to be in because in the States where some places are still like that, but you know, a lot of places are not. Um, so she is, you know, wants to meet his friends. They meet the friends later on or whatever. And it is awkward for all of them. They're all wearing black. They are very excited. So to, first of all, this place where they're eating, I would like to go there. <laughs> I would like to go eat wherever they're eating. Um, and they're like, food is taking so long to come out. <laughs> what do we talk about? And that's, yeah, that's when she goes into fight or flight or freeze mode like that's what that's what she's like <laughs> possum in the headlights like <laughs> and he's like yeah. and poor Mahmoud like, is oh, like <laughs> Mahmoud is like I know that he's look. having to like and he she's like well now I know that maybe I should listen to my husband when my husband tell me that things are not you know, normal. And I know to listen to him now. And I'm like, it took that, it took an awkward conversation with two cameramen and three producers <laughs> to, to, for you to understand that. Oh, oh, and the fact that he gets so mad when she's like, did, did you tell them oh, we only met for a week before we got married? <laughs> he was like, Oh, it's like, don't tell my business. Um, I was like, um, sir, you don't want her to, you don't want your friends to know that you married her on a whim. Hmm. Are they your friends? <laughs> I mean, how can they not tell? How can they not tell? Like, is, isn't it obvious that she's like, he didn't, <laughs> he didn't like pick a wife off the rack, you know, like this isn't, this isn't an around the way girl from the next neighborhood over, yeah. you know, like this is, this is a blonde, this tiny, yeah. you know, doll. Like she looks like a doll. I don't know what they yeah. think, but that's the, what she's going for. She wants people to think that she's a doll. I, th I think there's also, sorry, I keep like, my nose is really, it's like very dusty in this room. Um, there's also the fact that, and, and I just thought of this, that um, boys are, some Muslim boys are taught, you know, that 
that the reason, and this is a, I think this is a cultural thing more than a religious thing, but um, in some cultures, they're taught the reason for the hijab and covering the whole body is because like men can't be trusted and your friends are going to lust after your wife. And that's weird. I I guess like that's their equivalent of, you know, like watching porn together. Maybe they don't want to be in that situation. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe they don't. And then, then if that is the equivalent, then I um, understand. And so then peace be unto you uh, (laughs) go about your business. Um, Another awkward moment with these, you know, American white women coming to these other countries. And for whatever reason, I think, I don't know why, but I think that Rishi is Muslim. I feel like he might've said something about it. So it's just um, kind of interesting that it is this cultural divide that yeah, these cultural divides, these men just are not, they're handling it in two different ways. Like Rishi's handling it to where he is trying to like toe the line and like decide what side he wants to be on. And Mahmoud is fully like, listen, you came to my country, you married me. So obviously this is what you want because you didn't have to say yet. And every time she says that she said yes to things and now she realizes that it was wrong, I for whatever reason, I don't know what thought in this, what stringent mindset I have, but I'm like, well, now you have to lay in your bed. You don't have any options. You can't ask him now to change. You can't request something new. You made your bed, now completely lie in it or fully divorce this man and go home. You don't have to put yourself through this. It's the same thing with Jen. Girl, I understand that you wanna be in love. I understand that you want this great thing and listen, I'm right there with you. Unfortunately, we were socialized in a way and not taught that some women will never have that fairy tale. Some women won't have it because either you're not, the men are not what we were taught that they were going to be. And that's fine. It is what it is. But at this, you know, seasoned time in our lives, we have to just cut our losses and live our lives for ourselves. If I was Jen, she has that warm home in Oklahoma with her with her mother and her brother and her sister-in-law. Just go home and have a peaceful, happy life with yourself. Um, the same thing with Nicole. Nicole, you have a wanderer spirit. Continue wandering. Have your lovers here and keep moving. You could, you know, like you, she can move around to wherever and just have a lover and keep going. She could, like, that's what she should do. I think women need sometimes need to just like let go of the fantasy, even though it's been ingrained and we want it. Some of us want yeah, that companionship. Of course. <sighs> Anything else to say about them? Yeah, I, I think just to add to your point, we, we also have to stop framing the failure of a, of a relationship as a failure, you know, like a lot of, a lot of these women and men don't want to get out of these marriages because it's like admitting that you failed at something and, and relationships are not pass or fail. You can have, there are people who have had wonderful marriages for 20 years and then they're different people, you know, 20 years on and they go their separate ways. They co-parent, whatever, you know, and, and that's not a failure. Like to me, that's, wow, you were with someone for 20 years and you had kids with them or whatever. And I'm, I'm you know, uh, sure. It, that's not the prescribed method that we've all been taught, but there, there are so many different ways of, of being happy. Like one of my friends just 
got her eggs frozen because she she was like, you know, there's I don't have anyone special in my life. I don't even know if I want to have a partner, but I do know that I want may, might want kids one day, you know, and we have all these options now and it's fantastic. Like just embrace it and you can start over at any age because we're all going to live to 100. So it doesn't matter, <laughs> you know, even if you embarrass yourself on a TV show, you know, like. <laughs> yep. There is life yep. after whatever your current experience is. Yep. <laughs> there's life after lockup. Um, there's also life after two <laughs> marriages. And so let's move on to our, our 67-year-old veteran, yes. um, our, our spirit animal. Um, <laughs> we love her. And this is Debbie and Oshama. I, first of all, I've got to keep on saying that we should call him Sam. I know <laughs> something about, in fact, I, I will call him o Oshama. As long as I say it like that, yeah. it sounds a little different. Um, <laughs> it's like, so we've got French pop music. Okay. They really are setting the scene. And I'm like, oh, who is this? Like, at first I was like, this song is so jamming. And then I was like, who are they talking about? And then we've got Debbie. Well, you know that there's not enough room in my carry-on. How do they expect me to get all this done? <laughs> and she's like pittering around her home. Her, her flowy dresses are too long. So she keeps tripping as she goes up the stairs. And she's like... <laughs> Um, you know, we, then we, then we skip to a guy on a skateboard and immediately I'm angry. <laughs> I, the way they juxtapose this lady who can't even get her items into the bag and this guy on a fucking <laughs> skateboard is so upsetting to me. They have to just show that he's young, right? Michelle, they just want us to know he's fucking young. Well, to be completely honest, if I didn't know how old he was, to me, he's one of those guys who could either be 25 or 52. There's no way I would be able to tell his age from looking at him. He, this man looks wizened. <laughs> Listen, I know that dental care is a privilege all around the world. And as soon as he smiled, I was like, oh no, oh no, could not, could not be me. Um, <laughs> she, so we have this montage of him and he's like, um, I love this place. I'm very much a, a loner. I like being with cats cause cats are silent. <laughs> And I am a poet and an artist in my heart and I'm very religious. God saved this cow because cow was dying. Now cow not dying. And he talks about the place where he that he lives is a, is a city where you would go to die. And I think that he thinks it means something different in English. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he meant by that. I don't know if he meant like if you're dying you should come here because no one will notice or <laughs> you know this will finish you off if you're feeling if you're feeling unwell like i i honestly <laughs> couldn't tell 
from those words, whether that's a compliment or not, whether that's an endorsement. Yeah, it's almost like he's like, yeah, you come here, you know, to, at first I was like, do you, you go there to die because it's peaceful and it's a nice place to take your next steps into the other world? Or is it because it's so boring <laughs> and drab that like you have no life out there? So you literally just go there when you've given up on life and this is now where you're going to have your your terrible last days. Um, he's a lover of cats. It's like Stephen with a V. And he, I just, I, I was out immediately when he talks about the souls and him and Debbie are the same souls. And then here's the, here's the twist. He, as the foreigner has the secret. And the secret is, is that it's the same secret that Rishi has, by the way, that Rishi doesn't know he has, which is that <laughs> he plans on not marrying Debbie, that he's like, I don't think I'm ready to marry Debbie. And Debbie fully is like, well, I'm going to let Oshama decide when we get married. I'm not going to push him. But I'm hoping that we'll get married in two months. And I'm just like, Debbie is from that generation that requires marriage. Because I'm like, Debbie, you don't need to marry this man in order to be valid. I mean, you're not like fucking Marilyn Monroe. This isn't Elizabeth Taylor. You do not need to marry a third man in order to have your relationship be valid. So uh, don't marry him. <laughs> no, don't, don't marry him. Don't marry anyone. Um, my favorite, I, I'm pretty sure it was this episode, my favorite moment in this entire episode. And I like, I was crying laughing at this because this, this is the kind of thing that like is right out of a mockumentary where she's in the car with her son. Uh, what's, what's his name? Josiah Julian, Julian. She's in the car with her son. Julian and Julian's wearing his like we hate Julian right like he's wearing his Murica t-shirt um he it is I cannot believe he hasn't dropped several racial slurs by by this point um it's astounding to me but the moment when she gets off the phone with her daughter Shandy and she says she says Julian she, why can't you be shivel like Shandy? And he goes, she's not fucking civil. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not how she really feels. You think that Sandy, how, she's being nice. What are you talking about, mom? So you're really going to go to Morocco to be with this man. So we're really just never going to see you again. And she's like, you guys could come to Morocco. It would be great if you came to visit me. Of course you're going to see me. <laughs> And I'm like, why are they so crazy? Why hasn't Julian put in some, some vacation time? And why isn't he taking his mom over to Morocco? Get a passport, Julian. <laughs> He's just so unironically wearing the shirt. And then, then he gets to the, to the, uh, airport and we realize that he really does love his kooky old mother he's like she's been me there i can go talk to her she's been with me she's been there for me like all these things and i'm like oh he's gonna miss his mother so much and she has been saying that julian's only acting this way because he loves me so much and um it's true <laughs> it's true he is he is so mad though like you just never you never see that kind of, and and you can tell that he's been, that he's hated his sister from the moment she was born 
you know, that they, they definitely don't get along. They argue over everything. I, I mean, my first cynical thought before they, they went to she, the attorney, um, was, you know, oh, he's, he's angry because he doesn't want, he doesn't want, um, Oshama to get his mother's house, you know, and, but I, it, it is more than that, obviously, but I've never seen, like you said, <laughs> He probably doesn't, he probably can't get a passport because he's probably being investigated for domestic terrorism. Cause I want to know where he was on January 6th. I, <laughs> I, I think he is on that level of like white male anger that he just can't even, I mean, if he, if he even had to look at a photo uh, or do a FaceTime with his mom in another country, he would feel like he, he would just explode. He's, he's just so angry, but that was, that was so yeah. fucking funny. But he's like, no, she's not. <laughs> yeah. He's so angry and he is, but he's so in love with his mother. He loves her so much. He's like, all right, mom, I'm going to leave. And I'm just going to turn away because I'm not good with goodbyes. And he literally walks away and we have, we have Debbie puttering and she stops and she looks over her shoulder. <laughs> and she like continues on. The truth is, is that like, even, even at her stately and seasoned age of 67, I'm like, Osama is lucky because she's hot for him. He is such a yeah. like a scarecrow, especially with that Michael Jackson hat on. He's like a little he's he he needs to be in the cornfields, honey. Like he just needs to be out scaring the birds because he is so. <laughs> I mean, and when he says that he's, of course, he's not ready to marry her. He is on a skateboard, and he likes to be alone with his cats, like. He doesn't understand how annoying it's going to be to have Debbie with him 24 seven. Cause she's going to be like, Oh, Shama, let's go and do this. That's not right. Shama. Like, what do they have? He doesn't have any friends. And he thinks that having Debbie come over and be his wife. I mean, well, no, he's not planning on marrying her. And that's what Debbie doesn't know. It's just like, oof. um, they also managed to find now I'm, disclaimer i'm i'm not a cat person and other people are and that's and that's fine but they managed they managed to find like the nastiest grossest cats to do cutaways with like the the first cat that you said before we even see him on the on the skateboard we see this cat like yeah, 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 licking <laughs> itself and then he holds he holds this cat a lot hang on I've got to do the mirror of it. Yeah. Okay. He holds this cat aloft. Like he's looking at a newborn child and this cat's like. <laughs> he's like Lion King, you know, Simba. <laughs> like, yeah, it is. He, I, I'm not a cat person either, so I'm never I'm never gonna give this scene justice. And all the cat people, you know, do you remember Stephen with a V and Alina? Um, one time I talked about oh, the cats and straight cats. <laughs> one time we talked about the straight cats in Turkey, and I got a very angry comment from somebody talking to me, like upset that I was even referring to these stray cats. And sh the person was like, 
in Turkey, the people band together to take care of the stray cats. And I was like, is somebody really commenting about like Turkish street cat culture? I don't care. I'm going to continue to make these cat jokes. <laughs> right? Like it, it's, I, it's, it's really interesting because he's, I, I don't hate his, his artwork. Um, I think he's obviously like very heavily influenced by um, like the cubists. He's obviously looked at a lot of Picasso. Like he's, he, I, I admire how forthright he is about something that frankly would humiliate like a 15 year old, you know, like those, th that poetry is very bad. And to, to <laughs> To talk about, to talk about like, oh, my, my paintings mostly focus on melancholy, misery, loneliness. Um, like I don't, I, I'm applying for uh, masters in, in um, fine arts right now. And I don't even talk about my work or artwork that way. And I never, because I'd be, I'd be so embarrassed, but it's really nice. <laughs> Like, I've got to talk about it the English way. You know, I've got to be like, um, this is a pre-Raphaelite influenced thing. And in 1968, there was a feminist demonstrate. You know, it's all very academic. He's like, I, he, when he goes, when he goes, I can't work because work kills creation. I'm like, is this rent? Are you like fucking Roger? Like, who are you? <laughs> just tighten those shoulders just clench your jaw till you frown just don't let go or you may drown <laughs> it's like <laughs> one song glory <laughs> one song with a pretty Somebody. boyfriend man <laughs> oh god that was great anyways um yeah, he says, hard work can kill creation. And this is his um, poem. You are a revelation, a full moon, a tree and a rose. The sun gets jealous when you walk beside me. I, yeah, um, yeah just like. <laughs> yeah, um, it was, it was very forbidden to produce milk. Sorry, I couldn't resist. It's all in my head now. Just like, yeah, I'm going to have to listen to it once I get off here. Um, he definitely is like just in all of his emotions. And I don't know if Debbie's like prepared for that truly. It's one thing to talk to somebody online like that. And it's a whole other thing to um, to live with someone and have a life with that person like that. Or be on vacation. So um, more to come with them. I'm really, really happy uh, that we get them. I'm really, I feel really blessed that Debbie and Oshama oh, joined me us. Too. <laughs> I just don't. I'm worried about, you know, they're. Are they going to have intimate times? Is is she going to be? And I'm not making a crack about. Look, we need to see more uh, seasoned ladies. Uh, getting laid on on television that aren't Angela, right? But like, yeah. she's gonna be like, "Oh, Shama, 
I need to find. I need you to get me some KY jelly from the pharmacy. <laughs> you know they say if you don't use it, you lose it, Osama. <laughs> yeah, I yes, you're. That is hilarious and awful at the same time. Thank you so much for that. Your your Debbie is really good too. Um, I'm going to encourage you to continue it and practice. Get real good at it. <laughs> um, I think that's it. That's all I have to say. We talked for an hour and 42 minutes, girl. Like we had <laughs> a long, a long conversation <laughs> about this. Um, it's definitely worth it. Um, so anything else you want to say about this season, these couples, any last words, plug your, um, your podcast. Yeah. Um, like I said, we're, we're on hiatus, but we are coming back. We, we cover, um, the 90 day universe and we are also covering married at first sight Australia, which if you haven't seen, it is a marvel of modern creation. Um, we do love is blind. I don't think we're going to do the, the forthcoming one though, um, because we're going to do, uh, seeking brother husband instead. Um, so yeah, at blighty day, B L I G H T Y D A Y. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, you can listen to me, um, yell at my husband for an hour about, <laughs> whatever it is we argue yep. about. You can you can watch a real live um international uh transatlantic couple um living living life <laughs> or something. Yeah, no, they're thank you so much. Fun. Really honestly, I love I love I am a huge huge fan of this show. I love you and Chris and I know I can't hold a candle to her in terms of of the quickness, the the readiness, the back and forth, the banter. She is fantastic. So I'm sure you all are looking forward to her coming back as much as I am. So um, thank you. And thank we can't so wait to have you on our podcast. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So we, I'll be doing um, brother husband on my YouTube channel. I don't know if DocuSweeties will be able to do it. Um, but we'll see. And then because love is blind coming up and then I'll be doing that on my YouTube channel too. So I'm going to be doing those things. So, um, if you guys are going to talk about them, I'll be here to listen. Um, and those of you who are listening, if you would like to see the visuals of what you're listening to right now, you can join Patreon for $10 a month. Um, that's patreon.com slash docusweeties on Patreon. You get the visuals of the, um, um, a podcast as, uh, and immediately after, um, we have filmed it, you also, um, get a live every first Monday of the month and any kind of tidbits of what we're thinking about pictures, anything that we want to talk to you about, about docu sweeties, about any documentary, um, docu series that we do, um, you guys take vote on it you know, sometimes let us know what you want to see, um, or hear. So yeah, join us. Um, any of our social is DocuSweeties. And one of the, our socials is DocuSweeties1. But really, just put in DocuSweeties. If you see our picture, it's us. Um, so we invite you to join us on our socials, join us on Patreon, or wherever you're listening to us right now, we appreciate it. Um, so thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you, Michelle, for coming on such short notice. Like I literally texted you while I was in Costa Rica 
<clears throat> um, at the airport leaving. So I was like, I was in Costa Rica at the airport and I'm like, oh my God, I didn't ask Michelle to go live with, to do this with me. So like, I'm texting you on WhatsApp in a foreign country. And then I'd like 17 hours of travel later, here we are. <laughs> so, God bless. <laughs> thank you so much for joining. Yes. <laughs> All right, you thank guys, you we will talk to me. you later. No problem. Bye.